Hello and welcome back to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. This week it's a poignant start to the programme. We're going to um, talk uh, about Tom Smith and some of the memories, some of the, the good times as well, and just really try and uh, celebrate Tom as a person. I'm joined by um, two people who know him really well, uh, stars of, of Scotland and, and uh, world rugby, and Sarah McGeekin and, and Gregor Townsend. We'll also catch up with uh, Peter Horn and Graham Shield both head coaches in the, the Fosrock Super 6 with Ayrshire Bulls uh, and Boroughmuir Bears. Um, and we'll look forward to them as the Fosrock Super 6 Sprint Series kicks off this weekend. Well, hello and welcome back to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. This week, it's a poignant episode, uh, but hopefully a, 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 a celebratory episode as well as we, as we talk about uh, Tom Smith. It's just over a week since since the devastating news of Tom's passing, and the shock still remains, but there's been so much written and said about Tom, what type of person he was, how much, how special a person he was, how special a player he was. And I'm delighted this week to be joined by uh, two uh, greats of the game who, who know him very well. Sarim McGeekin, who coached and, and knew Tom very well, uh, and, of course, uh, Scotland head coach Gregor Townsend, played alongside Tom for, for a good number of years as well, and been a, a really close friend. So, Geech, I'll come to you first, and i say just over a week, and... The news is just so, so sad. I know you've, you've um, posted comment before, but it's just so, so devastating to get that news at only 50 years old after, after his illness. But it's, uh, is it any easier to accept it a week on? No, sometimes you get news which hits you full in the, full in the face, doesn't it? I mean, um, no, I was sadly shocked in a way that, you just felt that Tom had put such a fight up that, you know, I was hoping he'd make it to our 97 Lions reunion later in the year. And uh, we'd been talking about it. Uh, but Tom was so upbeat. I mean, he wouldn't talk himself, the illness or whatever that I think uh, for a time we thought, you know, I certainly thought he was, he was beating it or he was staying on hold and, so when um, Gregor, you know, had sent us all a message that he'd um, obviously uh, got worse over the last few weeks, it, that, that was a bit of a shock. And uh, I think a lot of people got in touch with him as well through that. Uh, but it shows, I think, just how much people thought about him when, you know, the reaction. And I think speaking to him over, you know, I've messaged him regularly and... Uh, um, we, we talked a little bit um, over the last couple of years. We, we did something in London together when he came over. You know, we got him in the Hall of Fame, which mm -hmm. which I think was tremendous because I think it does then in other people's eyes reflect how, actually, how good a player he was. And Gregor will know that far better than me about playing with him and, and just is one of those players that was always in the right place or seemed to be at the right time, but in a team, you know, that was um, needing, always needing um, leaders. He, whether it, he did it in the way he played rather than the, what, the things he said. But um, no, a, a, a very sad loss. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I want to touch on leadership uh, a little bit as well. I've got a really strong memory of playing alongside Tom and just a, a great example of his leadership and, how natural in many ways it was to him. It maybe appeared unnatural, but in terms of action, it was just phenomenal. And Gregor, you um, was a close personal friend of Tom and kept in close touch. And even although the you know we kind of knew what the final outcome would be, it's still such a shock. Um, even you know days prior to that, being in touch with him, and then see, you know last Wednesday finally getting the devastating news. Yeah, and and I, I'm with Geech. For some reason, we we just thought that he'd get better, um, and because he'd fought so well uh, over the last two and a half years, it, it was following the the Scotland France uh, World Cup warm up game in 2019 that that he'd complained of, of pains in his stomach and eventually went to hospital, um, and then he got the the terrible diagnosis. It was already stage four, and there's nothing they could do. But two and a half years later, he, he was still here. Um, he was at our game this year against England. 
obviously the the tributes that, that flooded in um, last week and the tributes when when Tom was inducted in the Hall of Fame and was was walking out with his family against before we played South Africa will be great memories for him. Um, and he did keep fighting till the end. Uh, Zoe, his wife, said that uh, they couldn't believe that even for a few more days in hospital, he was still fighting. Um, but um, they, they, they were able to be with him uh, in hospital and they'd obviously knew this day was coming. So a really sad day, but probably more accepting for, for those that had, had spent the last few days with him. Yeah, it's really important. I hope they, they get strength. I know they will get strength from the support and the, the messages that, that you say, Gregor, you know, for the last, well, last three years, really. Um, it's uh, it's just utterly inspiring to see what, what how he dealt with uh, what, what he had to go through. But we, we want to talk about his rugby and we want to can he raise as many smiles as well in the next 20 minutes or so, thinking back to the, the impact and the, the personality that Tom was. But Tell us, Gregor, when, when you first came across him, did you play against him, play alongside him? What was your first memory of uh, of Tom Smith? Well, well Tom was a one-off. He's um, one-off as a, as a rugby player uh, and a person. And you, you, you see some front rowers nowadays that have skills, um, that, that can pass the ball. But back in the, the mid-90s, um, the, the props didn't do that. Tom was unique and his ball playing ability. So I played against him. He must have been 16. I was 15. So he was in fifth year uh, at Rannoch uh, High School, but played for uh, Northern Midlands and the schoolboy team. And I got one game that year. To, um, someone had uh, been suspended from school. So I managed to get called up. My, my one game of the season was against Northern Midlands schools, who were the best team by far. Uh, and we lost by 50 points uh, up at Mayfield. And I have a couple of memories from that game because it was a, it was a big sort of step up um, in my career. Um, one of them was putting a kickoff slightly low, let's call it. Uh, Sliced? <laughs> didn't, didn't reach the second row. But this loose head prop caught it on the 10-meter line and just sprinted past me. And I'm like, oh, we, as South School players, we're going, who's that guy? He's, he's a prop, but he's, he's so quick. Uh, the next year, we, we were selected in the, the Scottish schools team, under-18s team, um, and Tom and I played together. Tom is known as a quiet quiet man um, throughout his career, but back at schoolboy uh, level, he was literally very, very quiet. He didn't say a word at all. Um, and for some reason, I just remember bonding with him. Uh, he, he was an excellent um, loose head, but he, we moved him to, to number eight, um, or the selectors did, because he was our best forward. So he took that through into his, his playing career. And, and and what was remarkable for me about his playing career was the ability to to go up against bigger men um, and do his job at prop, as well as showing his, his fantastic skills that he had in attack and his, and his toughness to, to play for so long at the highest level. I heard Gregor they were, they were going to move him from eight to ten. <laughs> Could have. He, Just to he, keep the pressure on you. There was there was a few times where I think he fancied uh, going to ten and probably looked at the tens and gone, I could do a better job than those guys. As long as you didn't have to move for ten to eight, Gregor. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gregor mentions his toughness there and, and how hard he was. And, and famously, it was a 97 lines each that um you know, you really came to prominence on a world stage. But you, you were head coach of that 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 team, that squad, um, and you picked him for the tour with only having three caps. He just made his debut in '97 for Scotland at Twickenham. He had only three caps under his belt. Did you know of him before those three caps that persuaded the the selection, or was it just on those three caps alone? Um, no, it was Jim Jim Telfer, Jim Telfer got in touch. We were looking. I'd gone to South Africa the year before and I'd spoken a lot about Jim. I felt we had to try and play rugby differently against them. And um, we, we tried to do that, but we tried to look at players that would think a bit differently or could do things a little bit differently. Uh, and Jim had been in touch and he just said, there's a player just been picked for his first cap, he said, uh, against England. Mm. He said, he's a bit special, keep an eye on him. 
Now, for Jim to say that mm -hmm. about a player is almost unheard of. They have to prove a bit more. But he'd obviously seen him a bit as well, I think. Um, and that England... So the first time I saw Tom play was at Twickenham, was the England. Was his first cap. Um, and because I was only watching him, I, I didn't actually watch anybody else at the time. But, but because Jim said he was so different but but could do different things um and actually i mean it wasn't a brilliant result for scotland that day but it was just his game involvement and his awareness and as you know as gregor said he, he would get into positions and um he'd be there early or his support lines or his carrying lines and this was away from scrum and line out responsibilities that you were just looking at a very good rugby player. Um, and so um, we, you know, obviously kept an eye on in them, tracked him through um, the games. Uh, but it was it was quite handy because really Fran Cotton, Jim and myself were picking the squad. So mm -hmm. we didn't have anybody to convince. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he was very easily into the squad. I mean, it wasn't a last minute, oh, should we go it or not? He was... He was in that squad um, pretty early on, and and just because um, he he was just different, um, and we'd felt at some point uh, we'd need we'd need that. I think Jim's only concern was oh it was his size, but mm -hmm. even in those three you know games that uh, in the set piece it had not been an issue at all. So so even at that point you could almost say was he picked with test aspirations in your mind as a head coach or was he there almost to, to apply pressure because everything you're saying there was almost what happened in the test series so you know for someone to have so much confidence after seeing so little of them to be seriously test aspirations almost immediately yeah I, th I mean I think I always did but generally keep an open mind as a coach as well yeah. about the players that you bring into a Lions squad uh, because players react differently in that environment. And, um, you know, it was, we genuinely didn't pick the test team until the Tuesday night before the first test because mm. we wanted every player to have had the opportunity to show what he could do. But he was in the squad, you know, like a lot, like Gregor was as well, you know, that the, these were players who could do things differently. Mm. And and it, it, Jim and I were just keen to to keep looking. Um, you know, I, I'd said to Jim, my perfect game is you don't have any rocks, mm -hmm. um, which he, he told me there might have to be a few. I what think would, I you, what to would remember. Jim, what would Jim practice if there was no rocks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so it, it it was the fact that we genuinely believe we've got a group of players from uh -huh. which we would get a. A, a very strong test team in a rugby sense of, of it would it would play or it could react and adapt. And and so, you know, that's why Tom was there. And, you know, the first week, Gregor remembers at Weybridge where we did different, a lot of players had played a rock, lot of rugby and I was sort of keen to do different things. But just to show that... Um, had this thing in my head that we could do things in threes and mm -hmm. we could play out of contact and play the second runner in and things like that and just challenge to do different things in that week. One of them was climbing beer crates. <laughs> um, you know, and Tom was probably in the end, he, he two players supporting you on, on the rope as this came down from the trees. But uh, Tom... You know, Tom was three or four crates ahead of anybody else by the time everybody had had a go before the pile collapsed and you're left hanging in the tree. Um, but it actually showed just a determination that he was not going to be second. Mm -hmm. um, if I thought, if you know, if it was left to him, uh, there was nothing going to be put on one side for for the effort he was going to put in and and. That flagged up even in that week, just just seeing that 
that sort of reaction from him. Um, but as Gregor said, not a lot of words came. But, but it, yeah. You know, and I think we'd all say he, he, he was he was a player whose actions spoke everything about him. Yeah, just on that, Gage, I think uh, the, more, the more you, you talk about Tom Grabner's opportunity and the skill set he had, I think what's really important to add as well is the mental strength. No, nothing phased Tom. So when, you, when you've only had three caps, you, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of people would think, oh, I'm just, just happy to be on tour. Or um, I'm beside Jason Leonard, Graham Rountree, Keith Wood, these legends. Um, no, that didn't work with Tom. He would give everything um, and he'd have an inner confidence to say, I, I can take on these, these people, win my place in the team, and then I can take on this huge Springbok pack uh, and the three tests, which, which he did. Uh, and he had that throughout his career, a mental strength. Some of that is in perseverance, resil- resilience, but also just the, the inner confidence to, to play your best rugby. And that's shown through in the last two or three years as well that you know and the, the fight he had off the field absolutely You've mentioned it already how how brave and how courageous and how you know how well he, he fought the disease but Gregor you played alongside him more than playing against him you played together in France with Brieve obviously the Lions you spoke about and, 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 and Scotland as well what are the the kind of the memories the, the strong memories of playing alongside him rather than being up against him yeah, lots of good memories um, with with Scotland. He he, uh, he got us out of our pool in the World Cup. I was going to ask you that. Uh, we both played that game. Um, we all remember was, that. Yeah, so he got us out of hole there. Um, he could and, he could have scored close at the post to make the conversion easier. Though, <laughs> that was easy one for you, we'll see. Uh, so that that was some big days for Scotland. The Lions obviously stand out with with what he did in those three tests. Playing club level. Uh, with them was was a real joy um, to have what another. Was it, what English... was the the French take on Tom? Because you would imagine that he would be gold dust in France, was he? he? Would be no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I think for us backs he was, but the <laughs> the front rows did not appreciate the fact he was um, passing the ball. <laughs> he was skillful. I, I remember his first game clearly. We were playing at Montauban, and. Uh, Tom just played like like Tom did. He would be out the scrum and he'd be carrying the second phase. He'd be passing the ball. Like you loved playing with him because he was like an extra, extra back, and he invariably did the right thing. He said to him at half time, "Oh, um, the tight head proper just had a word with me uh, because he told me that that's not what we do in France uh, when you're in the scrum." Yeah, he said, when you're in the scrum, you stay there for 10 seconds. If you have to count to 10 seconds, that's what we do. And Tom goes, well, the, ball, the ball's gone. I need to get involved and play. No, no, we stay scrummaging. We do, don't do that in France. <laughs> but he, he, let, he, he changed perceptions. Obviously, he was, a, he was ahead of his time uh, as a player uh, and uh, as a front rower. But you also have to scrum. And that's, it. that's what maybe people for, forget when they talk about Tom and his is a ball playing ability you you have to scrum against the biggest men in the on the field uh, which is the tight head props and when you play at scotland lions you're playing against the biggest men in world rugby when you're playing france for two seasons you're up against big men and tom wasn't the biggest man but technically determination um, that mindset of never giving in meant that he was a really strong scrummager right you, you'll know better than me Gage, but I, I don't think his scrummaging was ever considered uh, a weak part of his game. He would, I remember we, um, in the World Cup in 99, uh, we played Samoa in this poor Samoan tight head. Tom was winning penalty after penalty. Against him. Like, Tom was dominant at scrum time as well as being great in the loose. So, yeah, there was there were some great times. I'd love to have played sevens with him. Yeah. Like, he, he, I know he, he had a, a great tournament um, for Botsonians uh, when he first broke through, but um, he'd be a brilliant forward to have in the sevens. Mm-hmm. And just going back to the technicalities, Greg, you probably remember as well that scrummaging session against the machine in Pretoria in '97, where this was the machine that pushed back at you. And uh, Nigel Horton, whose uh, company uh, had got it over there for us, and he always kept saying, "Oh, uh, the Springboks can push another half a ton than you," because this, this thing was coming back, and Jim. Uh, we, we'd had two or three sort of flaky games 
front five wise, scrummaging wise, as we obviously alternated the, the props. Um, and they had this session against this machine that was putting all the tonnage back at them. Um, Tom there at, at Loosehead uh, and just never, never moved. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely rock solid. Technically, um, he was superb. And, and then they'd run away, get a 30 seconds rest or less. Jim would have them back in on the machine uh, and, and they would go again. And there wasn't one part of that practice that Tom wasn't right. Mm -hmm. and, and that pressure that was coming through from that machine was phenomenal. Um, and, and I think then as well, Jim, you know, we, we knew that technically, um, even with the weight, uh, he was comfortable, well, not necessarily comfortable, but in control. Uh, and Tom very rare. I, I, can, I was trying to think of times when you'd think, oh, did he do that? Or you never remember Tom being out of control in whatever he was involved in, um, which I think shows just the level of talent that he had. He made a lot of things look easy. Yes, there was a clip going around where he scored that. I think we were all involved. He scored a try against Wales to draw a level, I think, in 2001 it was. Yeah. You know, running like a centre. That, that two years later, he actually put a grubber kick through for me to score in the corner at Murrayfield against Wales as well. It's just so easy. I think second receiver, grubber kick through. And as I kind of celebrated myself, um, I turned around to see the, the whole team mobbing Tom with it, and he had this kind of wry <laughs> smile on his face. The real star of the show was Tom with the grubber kick. And even that was under control. I mean, I've seen backs and back three players struggle with that execution, but it was uh, everything, as you say, Gage, no matter how much pressure, physically or mentally, he, he was always in control. One wee thing that pop on as well is you would have played with Ian McLaughlin, Gage, yeah. and knew him well, a fantastic loose head, David Soul as well. Yeah. Did Tom, I mean, these are great to the game as well, but did Tom and what he was able to do set a platform for like Rory Southern to have today, for Alan Jacobson before him, what he was managed to achieve as a, a relatively small prop, did that give belief to, to those who, who came after him? Yeah, with without a doubt. I, I, I think, um, you know, Gregor said earlier that he was doing things that people didn't associate with props. Now, Ian, Ian McLaughlin was a good prop, you know, a yeah. good, skillful Were they quite uh, similar? Player. Players? A bit smaller than Tom, I think, yeah. the mouse. Mm -hmm. Um but but again, you know he in in test match he had good a brilliant captain as well, mm -hmm. um, uh, and and obviously David David Soul who who um, played with the Lions in '89 captain Scotland for the Grand Slam and again a, a prop who they were props who did more mm -hmm. than just prop, mm -hmm. um, and um, but but tech, technically I think the all round game. That, that Tom had um, had had just moved moved it on, and I think Graham Rowntree had said it, you know, back on the Lions tour that he'd no complaints about not being in the front row when he looked at the quality of rugby player that was mm -hmm. in front of him, you know, and and he was referring to Tom. And leadership, something you mentioned, Gregor. I know you you work hard on developing leaders and have so much knowledge around leadership squad you played of and, and the squad you're coaching but Tom was a real leader Geach already you know said it and, and the, the point that I vividly remember Tom was captain um uh, we were I think we're I think it was an in game at Murrayfield uh and I was second in a tunnel just at that moment where the referee knocks the door and you, you get ready to leave a changing room just 30 seconds before the game starts and I'll never forget how empowered I felt as a player when he just turned around and looked me in the eye and all they said was, Mossy, I need your help this afternoon. That's all they said. And I thought, it made me feel 10 foot tall. I thought, wow, I feel empowered to do whatever you need me to do. In terms of, I thought that was a really good example of leadership in quite a different way to what we usually usually see. Gregor, you'd I say played alongside him. In terms of his leadership and your experience of leadership, how special was Tom on and off the field? He was. Probably the number one thing about leadership is, is setting the example, 
uh, and you performing well uh, as an individual. And that gets seen, seen through training and your games because it influences those around you. People look to you as a leader to, to display the traits and the, the performance levels that the, the team aspire to. And Tom was so consistent um, throughout, throughout his career at training and playing well um, and being resilient enough to, to go through long trainings and play a lot of games during the season and still give that level. So that, that was the number one thing. He, he was confident. Uh, and while he didn't talk a huge amount, um, that is not an essential part of leadership. Uh, Martin Johnson didn't talk a huge amount and he won a Lions series and a, and a World Cup as captain. So the, the leaders that get the respect of the, the players in the change room are those that are putting in the hard yards that are going to help the team win more than others and are consistent. And Tom certainly was. I have to say as well, you you probably were there, Mossy, but um, he's given the best after dinner speech, uh, <laughs> captain speech that I've seen, uh, which was against the All Blacks. So we, um, to give us some context, we played Argentina the week before. Um, Argentina captain goes up, speaks first, Tom replies. I think we just lost that game by a couple of points. Yeah, and 2001. And after the dinner is finished, um, all the Argentinians are calling up Omar Hassan to sing a song. He's a tenor operatic singer. So he, I think he sings Nessan Dorma and the, the whole place is uh, give him a round of applause. So no, no one else knew what had happened then, but Scott Murray had bet Tom, his best mate, uh, that £100 that he would, if he would sing a song next week at the, the dinner of the All Black game. <laughs> so All Black game, we, we did really well. I remember we did really well for 70 minutes, but All Blacks kicked on to win. Anton Oliver, after the game, um, talks about the game and coming to Scotland. And then up, up comes uh, the Scotland captain, Tom Smith, to reply. Uh, and he just goes, start spreading the news. <laughs> and has two or three lines of New York, New York, and says to Scott Murray, that'll be £100, thank you. Which, like, out of character, mm. if you didn't know Tom, like, yeah. because he's a quiet person, but he's so mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the confidence to get up in front of him before 100 people when you're Scotland captain to sing New York, New York was, was brilliant. And no one knew about it apart from Scott Murray, and we're going, this is amazing. Tom Smith singing <laughs> New York, New York. It, it would always surprise you. It always, I remember just having this really quite cheeky grin on his face and almost talking to himself because he, he knew he was so, super intelligent and just, just such a brilliant person. He knew when he, would, when he could push the boundaries. On that, Geach, as a, as a senior player, as a, as a captain, did he challenge you as a coach as yeah. well off the field? He, he was good. I mean, well, you know, I mean, you two were both senior players as well and part of conversations. Uh, but sometimes he'd just come up and say, uh, or just say, um, if we want to do that, can we get so-and-so in place, uh, you know, uh, at the next before the next breakdown or something like that? Or he'd talk about, um, you know, positioning of, actually, I think there's something on if we can, if we can set a contact up, you know, outside centre rather than inside centre, whatever it was. And he'd, have, he'd just talk about it tactically. And, and I think, you know, Gregor said earlier about when he was in France, because he was so aware, away from the set piece, he could read where the best rugby could be played from. And, and so he, he'd always have, and he'd sometimes just sidle up, you know, just say, can I, have you got a minute? <laughs> and, it, and it probably wouldn't be much longer than a minute, but it, it, it's, it, He'd just have what it what he had in his mind, where he thought it, if we could do something and just change one part of it, we could achieve something else or make it easier, whatever it was. Um, and and you know, just talking as a group senior players, sometimes it, it was just all the time on on all the key elements, which, which I think again made him such a good a good leader in a different way because he understood. The challenges and the responsibilities that, he, that different players had in different positions, and and um, you know he talked that way, um, and I think very comfortably and probably a lot of times, I'm sure, 
one-to-ones with with players on the quiet, you know, of just doing something, um, just just they did to me as a coach. And I, you know, I, I would say I benefited hugely from just having an extra source, you know, in the team where where you're just clarifying things. Yeah, it would be very difficult to say no because his personality, but also because he would be right because he's astute, you know, reading the defence, reading the attack, um, just a real um, intelligent quality rugby person. Play. Gregor, you were you travelled to France earlier on this week uh, for the funeral, and you said Zoe and the kids and, and everybody were just kind of blown away by the by the amount of support and the amount of famous faces and, and friendly faces that, that made the journey. Um, how, how how was that as a as a I suppose it's it's a difficult meeting but as an event you know a lot of people would take comfort from from you know the the, the turnout from how how well received Tom was. Yeah, absolutely, and it was a journey for a lot of people to get out there. Um, um, with Smith's house says it's uh, in the middle of the southwest of France in the country, about half an hour from Agen, in between Toulouse and Bordeaux. Uh, so, so to see so many people come out from uh, not just Scotland but throughout the world uh, just to pay their respects was was outstanding and uh, the family loved people being there as well at the fa- at their home um, it was it was a a reunion we we um, for a lot of people uh, we had a, I reckon the last must have lasted about two hours around this um, bar and. Uh, it was like everybody's got a Tom Tom Smith story. Let's let's share a story. But there was a there was a time limit on the stories. Stuart Grimes' his story lasted too long, so he never <laughs> got a chance to finish his story. Don't know so why. many people, so many people wanted to to talk about Tom and share the stories, and and to have Angus and and Emily um, and Ted there as well, uh, as well as Zoe. Uh, I, I know you could tell it meant so much to them, but Tom Tom meant that much to us, um, and he's he's. He's obviously gone too far too young, um, but over the, those last two years, he's really done his family proud by how he's fought, how he's stayed positive, how he's had no self-pity, and how he's created some great memories, especially for his youngest boy, um, Ted. And well, throughout, throughout my career, I've been proud of Tom, but um, seeing him play for Scotland, um, Play very well in France club level and also play so well for the Lions. I remember watching the 2001 tour mm-hmm. uh, as a supporter or a frustrated player and just being really proud of Tom starting test matches um, and doing very well. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're also proud of Tom over the last two years and he's he's got a great family. Um, both him and Zoe have got done a lot to create a brilliant family and people will be th- looking after and thinking about them in the future. Yeah, it's absolutely. There's a, there's a legacy there. There's a, there's a performance legacy and there's a human legacy. That I think it's really important that we have these conversations and share these conversations because uh, it, it certainly deserves it and, and what it achieved on the field and off the field. So, um, you know, we just say send our support and and, uh, and wishes to, to the family. Mossy, can I just add that? You know, unfortunately, I, I was trying to get over that. I couldn't yeah. make it in there. But um, no, uh, just um, two weeks ago, I'd. I'd I'd left a message on Tom's phone when, you know, Gregor had been in touch with us all. Um, and Scott, Scott Murray rang me back on, on, on Tom's phone. <laughs> you know, he's, um, he's, he's struggling a bit. He, he, he's, he's fighting hard. And mm. we, we had a conversation. I said, well, thanks for, for letting me know, Scotty. The next afternoon, Tom rang me. Mm. And he and I couldn't. But I, I and he he just said his first words were, "How are you?" Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we had a conversation mostly about rugby and Scotland and other thing. And I could you could tell he was struggling to speak well. But but the fact that he called you that's what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he felt he had, and I'm thinking you know this is amazing you know and just reflects just the quality of the money and the character uh and the way he's just his thinking and uh he's caring about other things you know it was very often you know 
not Tom Smith, um, about Tom Smith. It's it's funny that because he's got every reason not to do that. He's got every reason to say, I won't make the effort. And I think I know through, through talking to, to a lot of friends and a lot of friends of Tom, he would have done that to everyone. So it's, it's you know, when he was so tired, when he was, you know, so ill, he's taking the time to do that to, to everybody that's getting in touch with him. It just, you know, it's, it's a special moment for you, Geach, but it's, he would have done that you know, two or three probably times that day as well to everybody yes. else. It, it, yep. You say it just underlines it, how how special it is. The other thing, quickly saying that is, that was almost an unlikely friendship, wasn't it? Tom Smith and Scott Murray. Scott was old and brash and as <laughs> up to hijinks as you could possibly get. And it was always it was always one that, that you wouldn't have picked in a lineup unless you knew them, but they were so <laughs> close friends, weren't they? No, but it shows, you know, again, who's by his bedside? Mm-hmm. Scott Murray. You know, that it shows that friendship and, you know, Gregor has been part of that group as well. You know, that, that I, I think is something that when you see it, it's more than rugby. And, and um, you know, to know, I think Scotty was going to be there all week and then he had to um, get home and think. But, but the fact that, you know, just all, as Gregor said about the funeral and the players, um, you know, in particular, were there just shows that impact of, you know, the man, not just on his sport, but on those he met. Well, I'm delighted to be uh, joined by two of the head coaches in the Fosrock Super 6. The Sprint Series kicks off Friday night um, at Melbury. It's Ayrshire Bulls taking on uh, the Boroughmuir Bears. Um, and I've got both head coaches, Graeme Shule from Boroughmuir Bears and, and new to the role, Pete Horn, uh, Ayrshire Bulls head coach. Uh, well, surely I'll start with you as the, uh, as the more experienced elder statesman. How good is it to get back into um, the first up Super six, Super 6 with the Sprint Series? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's nice to have a break, if I'm being honest. In terms of last year was, was tough because you were, uh, you know, coming out the back of COVID. It was it was a really difficult thing to prepare for uh, and do your sort of shoehorning things in. It was it was it was a tough one. So I wasn't wasn't completely um, devastated to be a short season. It was really punchy last year. And I thought that the product was was, was brilliant. Um, I, you know, I thought all teams entered into it uh, in, in the right way. Um, some of the rugby was outstanding. Um, and you know, I think the product had taken a leap forward, which dare I say it was probably not fully expected. Um, mm-hmm. With that, it was nice to get a break. However, um, it set in motion a whole different set of challenges for us this year around recruitment. Um, you know, guys wanting to play rugby. Uh, and there's challenges around that for some of our players in Super 6 and the, f- the fluidity around how we, we can get players playing rugby. So some guys decided that, you know, they wanted to step back and play club rugby, which is fantastic. Um, but with that, you know, it then sets in motion a whole lot of different challenges. So so I'm not I'm not unduly concerned to get back into the season. I think it's been quite nice to kind of get that deadline nailed down, uh, get a squad announced and then move forward and actually get into the rugby, uh, which is quite yeah. pleasing. Sometimes easier, but isn't it? We'll, we'll have a look at I've got all the things you've touched on there, Shaley, in terms of kind of the product last year. Certainly, the product that Muir's put on the field. I know that the, the results probably weren't as, as great as you'd have hoped, but there was some really good rugby to build on going out of this season, and we'll touch on all these things as well. But Pete, does that does that put you off your first uh, your first foray as head coach, and and Shaley saying all the things you have to juggle? How's your how's your perception of uh, and, and your experiences really of uh, of the first two or three months? Is he juggling all these things that Sheila's mentioned? Yeah, oh, look, it's been a bit of a change, uh, <laughs> I guess, going from waking up on a, a Sunday to a schedule where I just kind of, you know, follow it essentially and just do what I'm told to uh, <laughs> kind of trying to provide a schedule. But um, it's been brilliant. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I feel really lucky. We've got a great support team up at air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Billy McCarr, Glenn Tippett have been working hard behind the scenes. My, got a manager that helps me out with a lot of stuff, Gordon coats as well and, and a good coaching staff so uh no like look at we can't wait to get going Moss you know it's been the boys have been in since the kind of end of January the core group um and they've worked you know really really hard to to put us in a good spot and I think because the levels that that kind of 16 to 20 guys have um been training at and pushing has meant that as the kind of the wider squad have dripped back in from you know, the respective kind of club game, um, the under-20s finishing up and stuff, 
it's meant that, you know, they've had to kind of pick it up really quick and just get up to the sort of standards that the other boys have been setting. So, uh, no, look, I can't wait to get going this Friday night and uh, hopefully it'll be another good season. You were involved last year as well, just not in the head roll capacity, but you know the players, quite a lot of returning players, quite a similar squad, isn't it? And obviously champions last year, so um, and a home game to, to start off with. So you'd be, you'd be fairly confident, I'd imagine, going into the opening round. Uh, yeah, like you said, we've got a, a good bit of continuity from last season. We've kept a lot of our, um, you know, really good, well, guys that were playing really well, um, which is great. And, and was that quite easy? Were they, were they quite keen to come back right away? Is it an easy recruitment, Matt? Yeah, to be fair, like I've been pretty lucky. The Out of the, the guys that we've lost have all kind of moved on to sort of bigger and better things, which is great. You know, that's that's the whole point and and what we're trying to do essentially, isn't it? So uh we had a fair bit of recruitment to do, but the rest of the squad were uh, champing at the bit to get back, to be honest, which was was brilliant. You know, the like I said, everyone was messaging me kind of in December time looking for stuff to do, like asking if they could, you know, get things going. They uh, they couldn't wait to get back, which is is brilliant. So um no, it's good. We're, we're in a good place. We've brought in some some good young um, boys uh, from, yeah, like the Scottish club game. We've got quite a few of the under-20s joining us and I've been really impressed. Like the their attitudes, their work ethic is uh, brilliant. So no, I've got like a really good aspirational, hard-working group of men. That's good. Chile, I see you nodding as well about one or two things that, that Pete said there about players going on to, to bigger and better things and, and you know, giving players an opportunity to obviously train hard, play hard, commit themselves totally, entirely, but to support them in their, their rugby journey as well. And, and you've had that last season. A lot of players, I think Colleen Bretto, for instance, jumping into the sevens and uh, one or two others signing elsewhere. It's a big part of this process for, for you, isn't it, uh, in terms of helping these players progress? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think, you know, the, the, you know without being down on Super 6, you know, there's pros and cons to it. It's, it's you know, the concept for me is, is, is ideal. Uh, if I turn the clock back some way, unfortunately for me now, but, you know, if you're 21 years old, 22 years old, you know, would you would you want to play Super 6? Would you want to challenge yourself against the best players in Scotland? Would you want to take that step into a more professional environment which challenges you individually and collectively and you get a chance to you know, as it was in, in the days that when, when, when I played, you know, the, you're playing against the best players, best mm-hmm. club players in Scotland. And, and it gives you a chance to, to measure yourself on a, on a weekly basis, a daily basis in some instances around these guys. And, um, and, and it's, it, you know, the game's more complicated now for sure. But, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity for players to move on through Super 6 is, is greater than ever. You know, the, the, the publicity we got last year through the, the, the coverage of it was great. Um, you know, that increased the, the, the you know, the, the reach of what we were trying to do. Players enjoyed it, certainly. It seemed to be, you know, like a, a bigger mm. event as well. Mm. Um, and it is important, you know, we've got some, you know, I think, you know, as Peter's alluded to, we've got some fantastic young individuals in Scotland. Uh, we just need outlets for them to play. And we have to, you know, we only have the two pro teams, which is which is a challenge, but we have to try and push through as many as we can into Super 6, increase the quality of Super 6 for sure. But equally, you know, they have to find positive destinations and, and hopefully that's with Edinburgh and Glasgow. But Equally, it's you know sevens mm. as well on the radar. You know we've got guys who are going out of the country and playing championship and and you know in professional rugby in America now. And you know it's it's just brilliant to be honest. And and these are all life enriching experiences for players. I totally agree. And, and you know part of that was you say that the players enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. I, I think you know touching it earlier. I think the style of rugby that Barrow Bears played last year was excellent. Um, I think you were really unlucky not to win. A couple of games that you lost, um, but you finished strongly. I, I think back to the game at the, it was the Southern Knights at the Green Yards was was you know a cracking performance, and and it was two or three in a row where he just fell on the wrong side. So again, with similar players returning, um, you, you must be you know fairly confident of a, of a decent start. I know you've both had hit outs, uh, kind of warm up games of the last couple of weeks that, that help as well. But but Sheila, you you must be confident, and, and I assume to develop the same style of play to. They let these guys enjoy it and just hopefully get over the line in a few more yeah, games. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking out in the weather at the moment. It's not particularly... <laughs> the rain's <laughs> just came on. Um, but yeah, you know, again... It'll be sunny in air on Friday Well, night. indeed. indeed. Yeah, well, it wasn't so much there last year when we played, but... <laughs> That's um, right. It was dark, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, you know, I guess moving the, the competition to the summer, it, it brings with it a whole different uh, set of challenges for, for some clubs, but for a great opportunity to, to really showcase rugby and... Uh, 
Um, you know, I'm a big, big advocate for running rugby and, and how we play the game and more more ball in play, more contact time, more exponential learning. It, you know, it, it has to be good. And, you know, I think, you know, one of my, 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 you know, one of the challenges for me when I was working with Scottish Rugby and under-16s programme was the lack of opportunity for these kids to play rugby. You know, they're maybe getting 20 games a season and the ball's in play for 30 minutes mm. in a game. You know, they're only getting mm. 10 hours of rugby a year, uh, competitive mm. rugby, and it's not enough, uh, especially when we're looking at you know that what what lies ahead for these guys. So for us, it's you know, can we get ball and play more? Can we can we have a quicker game? Now that's maybe for some coaches not what they want. Um, but the reality is, you know, we've got to we've got to make it a product that people want to watch and, and try and give give guys an opportunity to play high intensity and, and high skillful rugby and, and see if they can take that step forward in the pro game. Yeah, think back to the the game against Watsonians. Was that the final league game? Uh... Uh, I think no. it was. It was. It was, it was a crack had, as well. Yeah, we had Reds Herits the week after. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. So when we we, we so Watson's was a was a Sunday afternoon game. That was right. Uh, yeah. So something yeah, we played there was excellent. Um, yeah, and you know it was a nice day. It was good. You know, certainly the sun on your back and it makes a difference uh, for for everybody. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good good overall performance. Yeah, looking to continue that. And, and Pete, the um, this is of course is a sprint series. Of course, Super Six sprint series. Um, so it's five rounds, and then the, you play each other either home or away, and then it, it's, there's a, a top three, bottom three split. So there are a couple of games after that culminating, I think, about the 10th, 11th of June. So do you treat this solely as a sprint series, or is it with half an eye? Obviously, I assume it will be with half an eye on the, the kind of main competition happening later in the year, or is it a real focus on this and getting off to a great start? Yeah, a bit of both, Moss, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, we'll have an eye on on the the main competition, but you know, ultimately, all the guys will want to put their best foot forward and they want to play well. And just you know, we, you know, want to take off kind of where we from where we left off at the the end of last season. And um, yeah, we want to win. You know, we want to go out there and, like we said, put ourselves in a good position to to be competitive and win games. And you know, I think that'll prep us really well for. The, the main competition coming up. So uh, I'm keen, like, this year, I, I feel like we're in a really good spot in terms of our squad. You know, we've got, um, including the academy boys, there's 32 guys. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can honestly say that you'd be really confident with any of them taking the field, that they go on and they perform and, and they do us proud kind of thing. So I think it's a great chance in this sprint to make sure you, you give all, everyone a bit of game time. Um, you know, there's guys that haven't played a, a lot as she said, there was a, there's been quite a big break. So, you know, it's uh, everyone's desperate to get rugby. So, you know, we're trying to man- manage the squad. But, yeah, ultimately, we want to we want to do well and we want to win. So, yeah. Uh, has, um, since you've met back up, well, firstly, take us back to winning the, the championship last year. And you know, that feeling and that almost it almost underlines all the hard work, isn't it? It's the reason you do it. It's the reason you, you commit and make all the sacrifices. So, Kind of the feeling the squad experience then, I assume, was you know was special, obviously. But has there been much mention of it since meeting back up in your, your pre-season build-up? Or is it almost just parked and, and move on and try and improve? Yeah, to be honest, like we set out our kind of... We had a good meeting as a, as a squad and uh, set our kind of goals. And we touched very briefly on what's been. But I'm, you know, a big believer in... Like the game moves fast, everyone moves fast. Yeah. But you can't be looking too much in the in the rearview mirror. You know, you've got to be focused on what's next. Everyone else will have gotten better. Everyone else has recruited really well. You know, and ultimately we'll have a bit of a target on our backs after last season. So if anything, that should drive us on to be, you know, even more competitive. So now, like we've not looked at that too much at all. Like we've got a, it's a new group. Um, you know what's kind of done's done, and it's uh, time for the boys that have got the. That are in the position now to uh, to go out and make it their own. And she's just, on, I suppose, looking at the other the other squads and teams. You, you have had a, a good look through them. Um, all pretty strong. A, a lot of returning players across other teams, but pick Herod, for example. I thought looking through their squad, it looked particularly strong as well. You know, well, still in Southern Lights, obviously got to the final last year. So there's going to be a lot of competition. Have you have you had a, a good look at the other squads and 
see the threats <laughs> out there. Um, to be honest, not not entirely. Um, I think we do. Focus on yourself. Say, yeah. To, to be honest, it's been it's been a challenge just getting getting our guys together and, and you know number you know the, the pieces have been 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 different this year. It's, it's been uh, yeah. been interesting. You know, it's, it's certainly the dark months in terms of weather and and access to pitches and so on. It, you know, it's it's a challenge and actually getting a squad together has been been quite a quite an art form for everybody this year because of the nature of how it's all fallen so um so yes i think for us it's about dare i say it looking internally and just in you know making sure that we can we can control the controllables for ourselves making sure we you know we're competitive we get things right and you know listen if teams beat us then you know so be it you know hats off to them you know but it can't be for you know we've, we've not done the right things we've not been accurate in our in our game and how we want to execute things um so you know i think that's that's really just at the moment for us is just looking internally preparing ourselves and and being competitive this season building on the work that we did last season again there's a a, you know, reasonably big turnover in terms of our personnel, which, which in some ways is is, is the right thing. In some ways, you know, ideally, you'd want a bit more continuity. But again, the challenge around recruitment is to bring guys in who want to move forward and aspire, and you know, to, to greatness in the game. And, and I think again, it's what Pete's saying. There's some really good young players in Scotland who want to be part of Super Six, who want to take that step forward. Uh, and really, it's for 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 us to give them the opportunity. Yeah, I'm just looking through the list of squads in front of you. There are, as you say, some some pretty good, well, there's a lot of good players there, but players who've played professional rugby, they're looking at the Watsonian squad as well. Um, yeah, he's got experience of URC rugby there. So it is, um, it's it's always difficult to, to look ahead, you know, almost kind of plan for what we're going to get. I know we're going to get some quality rugby, hopefully get some decent weather. All kicks off on Friday night at Melbury. Uh, on free sports, actually, Ayrshire Bulls take Barrymore Bears at 7.45. And then there's two games on Saturday, Watsonians at home to Stirling and, and Herod's at home to the Southern Knights. So we'll, uh, if we were to have this conversation next week, we'd have a better idea. But it's, uh, I think we, uh, we look forward to it. It's great to get these young players playing um, and you guys coaching and experience the, the highs and lows of coaching just to, to help Scottish rugby progress and, and to help you, you guys as, as individuals be successful. So we look forward to the game. I'll be through um, on Friday night. I'll not ask you for a prediction. Either of you, you're looking at me kind of blankly, but uh, I look forward to, to being there and uh, and good luck when the uh, when it all kicks off. Thank you once again for listening to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. Next week, we'll have a look back at those games in Super Six, and the women are back in TikTok Six Nations action. <laughs>